So our second scripture reading this morning comes from Luke's gospel, and these are Jesus's words to those who have gathered around him. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, may all that we do and say in this day be well and good in your sight. Amen. So in 1998, the Oscar-winning movie Saving Private Ryan was released into theaters. The premise of the movie, if you're not familiar, is that following the Normandy Beach landings on D-Day, a small group of U.S. soldiers go behind enemy lines in search of one soldier, Private Ryan. The War Department became aware that three of the four Ryan brothers serving during World War II had been killed in close succession to one another. And in order to save their mother from complete devastation, they decided to make it their mission to find the last of the four brothers and pull him out of harm's way and send him home. This small group of soldiers who had been assigned to locate Private Ryan in the chaos of the front lines following D-Day was led by Captain John Miller, played by Tom Hanks. If you haven't seen the movie, here's your spoil alert. After finally locating Private Ryan and aligning themselves with his platoon, the soldiers find themselves with more orders and that is to halt the enemy's advance, making a stand against them in a town called Ramel. At the end of this small battle, and with his dying words, Captain Miller simply says to Private Ryan this, earn this. Men had died in their search for Private Ryan so that he could safely return home, so Captain Miller wanted to make sure Private Ryan would hear his final message to him. Upon his passing, Private Ryan gets to his feet before Captain Miller, and the 20-year-old face of Private Ryan morphs into the face of an aged man standing before the grave of Captain Miller in one of the beautiful U.S. cemeteries on the shores of Normandy. With his family over his shoulder at a distance, Private Ryan kneels before Captain Miller's grave and says the following. Every day I think about what you said to me, and I have tried to live my life the best that I could. I hope that was enough. I hope that at least in your eyes, I have earned what you all have done for me. Private Ryan gets back to his feet and is soon joined by his wife, and he says this to her, Tell me I've led a good life. 
tell me I've been a good man. She looks at him, a bit astonished, then simply replies, you are. So on a day like today, Veterans Sunday, where we dedicate our worship service to giving God thanks for all of our military and first responders, I feel like this is the perfect time for all of us, like Private Ryan, to ask the question, have we lived lives worthy of others' sacrifices? Have we been truly good people? Have we earned those blessings that we have that perhaps we have taken for granted, our freedoms, our safety? How often do we think about these things on any given day? Speaking for myself, I'll admit, I don't give the credence to either one of these things on most days in the ways that I know I should. But for this moment, for this hour, I am grateful that we are all taking the time to turn our attentions to this and to give God thanks for the men and women who have served us in a variety of capacities and who, like our previous video showed, said that we were worth it. So there was a point in the life of every soldier, every firefighter, every police officer, every paramedic, where they signed their enlistment contracts and took an oath to serve and protect and to defend the Constitution. And in so doing, they knew a cost could very well be incurred. And they knew that part of that cost could very well be their own lives. Now, this is a concept that I truly know nothing about. I do not know what it means to sign my life away, to put my name on the dotted line saying that I will give up all, even my life, for the sake of my job that requires me to serve and to protect others. My job description does not include such ideals. So when I look into the faces of family and friends and acquaintances or see the gentleman at Kroger wearing a Vietnam baseball cap. When I look at you, Mike and Alec, Chief, Dave, Nick and Jeff and others here today that I know who have served or continue to serve in uniform, I am in awe. I can't help but wonder did you know the costs these jobs would have on you ahead of time? And are we worth the cost in the end? When we take a moment to reflect back on what I read earlier from Luke's gospel, Jesus is taking some time to point out to his listeners that there is a cost to the choices that we make. And specifically, he is addressing what it will cost to be his disciple. And he uses a couple of examples to make his point. He first talks about a builder who, before setting out on his project, must first sit down and figure out how much it will cost to buy materials and pay for labor in order for him to complete it. Does he have enough resources? Next, he talks about a king contemplating war against another. He, too, must sit down and figure out if he has a large enough army to oppose the enemy. 
He recognizes that there is a cost involved in order to be successful in the task. And if they are unable to meet the expense, then they should not set out on a fool's errand because the cost is simply too great. So when it comes to being his disciple, in other words, Jesus is asking us to think long and hard about making this commitment, to calculate the cost of what it means to live a life serving him. And in the end, is it worth it? And are we willing? So I'm curious, Lieutenant Olson, Corporal Olson, Chief Cade, did you know ahead of time the cost you, you, you would incur by serving in the capacities in which you did? I'm going to take a stab in the dark, and I'm going to guess not. I'm going to guess you had no idea what it would be like to hear the voice of someone in peril and in the midst of trauma on the other end of the phone line or the police radio. I'm going to guess you didn't know the cost of watching your brothers lose their lives in a roadside bomb. I'm going to guess you didn't know the cost of being hated simply for the uniform you wore. And these are only a handful of the prices that you all paid. Perhaps none of you knew the costs you would incur, but I would venture to guess you knew some measure of the value of your service. And this is where the rest of us need to turn our attention on a day like today and do our best to carry this forward into tomorrow. To offer these men and women a sense of their value, their service is given to our lives. This is where the rest of us need to step up and live our lives the best we can and to earn the costs that have been incurred by others so that we may live in safety and worship freely. This is our call to make sure we live lives worthy of others' sacrifices, and we do so through our behavior, by showing kindness, by offering compassion, by our understanding that there are things we simply cannot understand, and offering respect where it is warranted and deserved. People who have served and continue to serve in uniform do and have done extraordinary things so that we may live ordinary lives. And now it is up to us to make sure, for their sakes, that it was all worth it. Right now, in this space right here, we are gathered in safety and security without fear of harm or retribution. Think about that for a minute. There are parts of the world where you could die for your Christian faith or any other faith for that matter, but not here because of the Constitution. And veterans and first responders took oaths to uphold the values within that very document so that we might worship freely. Did that thought cross your mind today as you stepped into this building? You know, this country has a history of not treating very well our men and women in uniform. From our soldiers returning from Vietnam to police officers today and so many other incidences in between. 
we have a terrible history of treating badly and with disrespect those who never could have fathomed the cost of what it would mean for them to serve. And all politics aside, there is simply no excuse for such behavior. Yes, there have been people who have served in all sorts of uniforms who have been terrible people and who have done horrible things. But shame on anyone who will paint others who share that uniform with the same brush. For example, there have been terrible, hateful things said by other pastors in other pulpits and terrible things done by people in the church. And I would hate it if I was lumped into that category, if you were lumped into that same category as those who have chosen to do more harm than good. And such is the same for those who serve in uniform. In 1954, the United States Congress voted to institute the national holiday of Veterans Day and subsequently declared that the date should be commemorated with thanksgiving and prayer and exercises designed to perpetuate peace through goodwill and mutual understanding between nations. And those exercises should be simple things for all of us things large and small, ways to build bridges across lines of difference, suspicion, or hostility in our neighborhoods, our country, and among the nations of the world. So don't we owe it to them all to simply, in return, be good people, to be kind and respectful to our fellow human beings, to do our parts to make this world a better place, Jesus died for you so that you could live an extraordinary, ordinary life. These men and women of the armed services and police and fire departments, public safety, paramedics, they have signed contracts to make sure that you are kept safe and free. Wouldn't knowledge of that inspire us to make sure that we earn those freedoms and safeties? Ultimately, in the end, it all comes back to Jesus as our true example of servanthood, the starting point of our faith, our hope, our salvation. His message to us from the cross is that we are indeed worth it. We were worth the cost of his suffering, his pain, his sacrifice, and his life. Unlike the rest of us, Jesus knew the cost that he was incurring. That's the amazing thing about Jesus Christ and his grace. Because regardless of how we choose to live our lives, he still deems us worthy of his sacrifice. And because of his grace, we do not have to earn anything in Jesus' eyes. Yet why would we not want to? So this is our call today. As citizens of the United States, as residents of the city of Livonia, as residents of many cities across Metro Detroit, and from wherever else you may joining with us online, as disciples of Jesus Christ and heirs to God's kingdom, it is our call to live lives worthy of others' sacrifices.
It is our call to take a moment and to give God thanks for all the men and women who serve their communities and their country in a variety of ways. It is our call to dedicate ourselves each and every day to be reminded as children of God that we indeed are worth it. Earn this, my friends. Amen. <laughs>